ready to stop spinning your wheels and start moving your business forward, you're in the right place. On each episode of Accelerate to Achieve, we'll discuss a crucial step in the journey, offering tips and advice that you can apply immediately within your own company. From financial management to customer success to digital transformation, we'll cover it all while providing leadership lessons from top industry insiders. In just 15 minutes, you'll be inspired to build momentum through action and achieve incredible results. Welcome to Accelerate to Achieve, the podcast that moves you from question to answer and idea to execution. Hello, and welcome back to the latest edition of the Accelerate to Achieve podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Walter, the founder of Parallels Advisory. For almost everyone, gathering feedback is critical. In an ever-changing world, having a sense of where we stand and what might be changing is important. Moving forward blindly rarely turns out well. Whether a business or employee, we all want to do better, and it's a critical tool for us. Just how much of an impact it can have, as well as key considerations, is what we'll be discussing with our guest today. Now, I'm thrilled to be joined by Chelsea Craig, and she's the founder of Rhino Reviews and works with businesses to protect their online reputation by growing and leveraging their customer reviews. Now, she's worked with nearly 100 businesses across all industries to help build or repair their online reputation, and she's both Google and Reputation Management Certified. Chelsea, it's great to have you on. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Ryan. Very excited to have the opportunity to talk with you as well. Is all feedback good? And do you see kind of a difference between the importance of feedback for, say, a person versus a business? Yeah, it's a, it's a great first question and, and definitely a lot, a lot to kind of digest with that. Um, in regards to is all feedback good, it really, this is going to sound silly, but it depends on the person. I would say, yes, all feedback is incredible. Um, good feedback, it feeds your ego and bad feedback shows you an opportunity somewhere you should explore, somewhere to improve and make it better. Um, I don't think necessarily every individual views it that way. Some people take feedback and, and really take it personally. So it, it does depend on the individual and kind of the space that they're in at that time. Um, in regards to the second part of that, the person versus the business. Feedback for a business, I would say it is all good. Um, I think it is absolutely necessary, as you touched on, for growth, for continuous change. Um, if you're, you know, there's the quote in business where if you're not growing, you're shrinking. Um, it's not good enough to just kind of continue the status quo. It's very competitive market right now. So this feedback can allow you to, you know, make changes, make alterations to the services or the product or the experience that your customers are having that'll allow you to continue to, you know, increase that customer loyalty and ultimately drive new sales. All right. So you don't have to call me a skeptic, but I'm wondering, you know, can we rely <laughs> on something that's this unstructured and just sort of open? I mean, we're leaving it up to the mob. Is it safe? Yeah. Do you mean in regards to, can you trust what you see online um, from reviews or feedback? Yeah. I mean, it just seems like there's so many folks out there and, you know, who knows, you know, what's coming in and is it really what's going on or, or you know, do we get that kind of, uh, I hate to use the term mob mentality sometimes or group thinking, <laughs> and, and is it telling us the right stuff? Yeah, it's, it's a, that's a great question that the platforms themselves are even struggling to kind of tackle and, and you, depending on, how deep you want to go. Um, there's a lot of different ways that, that the companies are handling it. 
it is hard when we are relying on the internet because people say and do things differently than they would in real life. No different than, you know, you see trolls on social media that happens in the review world too. Also, when it comes to reviews, there's typically three sides. There's what, you know, what occurred with the customer, what occurred with the business, and then the truth is somewhere in there. So it's really up to the consumer when they are digesting that information to interpret that. Um, there are a couple signals that when, you know, we're reading reviews, we're smart nowadays. Um, customers know to kind of look for certain indicators that this is a legitimate review. This is a real experience. Um, and maybe this person was being a little unrealistic about what they expected. Um, what that looks like, for example, uh, if someone leaves a review on Google or on Facebook, you know, are they using it? Is this review from an actual person's name? Is that feedback from a from a real name or is it a, you know, a pseudoname that's something fake and silly? Is there a photo there? Is it from a credible website that you can trust? Um, are the sentences correct? Is it grammatically spelled out the right way? Um, those are all kind of just like mini indicators that you can look at. But I think the, the grander picture is also keeping it in check, looking at you know, what is this person saying? Is the experience um, really pertaining to that specific business and maybe something that's a lot logical or possible that had, could have occurred? And how did the business respond to it? Um, are all factors to consider as you're looking at these reviews and trying to judge if they're real or not? You know, so it seems to me there's a couple different avenues here where feedback perhaps may come in. And, and I, I think initially off the top of my head, maybe just, you know, how we're doing as a as a business, uh, feedback in general about that. And then sometimes you're seeing feedback more on specific goods and services, maybe not exactly the entire business, but a particular thing that's being provided. And do you find that you can really get quality and value feedback from both of those sides, or does it pertain a little bit more to one than the other? You're giving me the tough ones, Ryan. Um, again, I, I think it's about what that business is in particular. I would say the majority of customers, when they are looking at reviews, unless you're buying a product off Amazon and it's a purely transactional experience, you know, I want to know how this vacuum is going to hold up against the, the dust ball that my pets are causing. Um, I would say when consumers are searching for reviews about just new businesses to explore, the majority of the time they are looking about that customer experience, um, siding more with, you know, what was their support like? How did their sales team treat me? Were they quick to respond? Were they supportive? Um, versus the kind of um, physical product itself tends to actually fall by the wayside. Customers are more wanting to ensure that the actual experience and the um, interaction with the company beyond just the product is going to be positive. And, and you can see that across the board. I think it also, you know, this past year was really challenging from a connection standpoint, and people are looking to form deeper, sounds silly, but deeper relationships with brands. That's what social media is all about. It's allowing your customers and your consumers access to your brand and that company in a way like we've never had it before. And we're seeing that in the review and feedback world as well. We're always hearing that, oh, you know, three stars, two stars, I want to be above 4.0, uh, all of that. But are bad reviews then really the end of things for a business or is there hope? Oh, I love this question. Bad reviews should not be feared. They are a huge opportunity as long as they're handled and managed the right way. Um, you, you've mentioned, so they've actually done a lot of studies on this on Google, and they've actually shown that the highest revenue businesses have between a 4.3 to a 4.5 rating, not the five stars, which one would assume. 
And the reason for that is, you know, kind of going back to one of our earlier points, customers are smart when they read these reviews. They know that people are critics. Everyone likes to complain. And we're actually skeptical if we see a business with over 20 reviews and all five stars, because again, we know businesses are human. Mistakes happen. Um, so having a bad review or a one or two star can actually add to your credibility as long as it's the anomaly and not the norm. You know, having 15 one star reviews, that's another story. Um, but one or two peppered in there isn't the end of the world. There are steps, though, that you want to take to really mitigate the damage that that bad review would would cause. Um, the first and foremost is respond. You know, 80 to 90 percent of the time you hope at least when someone provides you that negative review, they're doing it because they're at their wits end. They've tried to reach out. They, you know, they're trying to ultimately get the business's attention about their experience and, and connect with you, follow up with them and follow up with them fast. Um, they've shown that when responded to within 24 hours, there's a 67% chance that that negative review is either removed altogether or updated to a more positive rating. Um, additionally, if you respond and you know your team calls, your team emails, or just reaches out to that individual, if you're able to rekindle that unhappy customer and you know get them back on their good side, they're going to be a customer for life. Um, the amount of stories that we've heard about, oh, I had this terrible experience, um, this happened, but you know the manager called me right away, offered to you know work with me to resolve that, and you know it ended up being the greatest experience. They remember that much stronger than they remember the, you know, maybe cold burger that they received or broken shipment that came to their door. Um, so no negative reviews, uh, they really should, in summary, they should be viewed as an opportunity. Um, there's, there's a lot that a brand can do to, to use that to both improve from a feedback perspective, as well, as well as build themselves up in, in customers' eyes. So I know, I mean, there's stories about a little bit of the dark side of things here where, you know, maybe your competition's leaving negative reviews, trolls, you name it. Is that yeah. something to worry about? Is it a real problem? Help us kind of get a sense of that. Unfortunately, it is very real. Um, this past year in particular, um, the amount of Google My Business, I guess I, I would say attacks, because um, I'm not quite sure how else to phrase it. Has been amazing. It has been pretty wild. I think it's been a competitive year for businesses across the board, and that's led some some companies to go after um, not very honorable tactics to take down their competition. We've seen, you know, the typical what we used to battle a lot was simply just random negative reviews with no content that that were from you know fake profiles. Maybe they went onto a freelancer website and were paying people to go leave negative reviews, which. Is, is wrong and absolutely terrible. Um, there are some things you can do from a profile to, to help flag and you know report as spam, but the majority of the time it's, it's not that, there's not much you can do. Um, the latest tactic that we've seen, which is pretty amazing if you think about the time that it takes to do this is we've seen businesses that we work with um, randomly get a flood of positive reviews. So they'll wake up one morning and have 25 or 30 five-star reviews on their account, which is incredible. That's great. But looking further into it, we'll notice that none of those customers are in their CRM or, or were part of our review campaigns that we were reaching out to for them. Um, and what ended up, what Google has found is that competitors are now going in and posting purposely positive fake reviews from spam bot accounts on businesses' profiles, and then reporting that business, saying that they're using spam accounts to beef up their reviews, which is 
just beyond, I mean, the, the thought that goes into that and the planning is pretty wild. Um, so yeah, uh, there are, you know, just as in any business, um, there's always people out there who, who are doing shady things and in your business, your reviews and your reputation is, is at risk just as much as anything else. So I'm sure there's no kind of homogenous response or approach to everything, but are there differences maybe based on either the industry a business is in or, you know, the area or geography they reside in? In regards to the platforms that are the most relevant, there is a large variation when it comes to industries. Um, And in regards to the platforms, that's where we also do see a variation in regards to the geography. For example, quick one, quick explanation with that is Yelp. Um, Yelp on the East Coast for the majority of our East Coast clients is not very relevant anymore. Um, Both the consumers and the businesses were noticing a large shift more really just focusing on Google and maybe one other secondary platform, either Facebook or an industry specific. But a couple years ago, Yelp was an end-all be-all. We do find though with our West Coast clients that Yelp is still a very strong platform out there. So it's just a a difference in geography and, and what the consumers and the customers where they're turning. Um, In regards to businesses and the industries, it kind of works the same way. Uh, Google is king. It is the the universal platform that no matter the size of the business, no matter the industry that they're in, it's it's relevant and it's the most important. Um, When you think about it, it makes sense. It's literally a verb. Uh, I think the last statistics was 96% of people go to Google, type in, you know, are either searching for the service, the product or the business itself, and then going to that secondary platform. Um, so Google, Google's the universal king that, that breaks the norm. Um, but what we typically find there is industries. There are a lot of industry-specific platforms. Um, for example, if you're a lawyer, maybe being on Avo or FindLaw is a lot is a lot more relevant to you than per se Facebook. Or if you're a business coach, you know, having a really built-out LinkedIn profile is going to be more valuable than than uh, maybe Facebook, where the, the customers aren't necessarily there for you. Um, so we do recommend, you know, based off of your industry, look at and take a moment to think about where and how are your customers searching for you and what are platforms that you can be on and, and build your reputation up on. No, I think that's great. And, you know, I think really what you touched on there sort of brings me into, you know, where we'll, we'll sort of close off. And that is, Wow, there's a lot here. There's a lot here, even beyond trying to stop the ne'er do wells from ruining my reputation to get keep in front of and get our hands around. Um, and it's hard enough to run a business. So, you know, if I'm someone who really would like to, you know, start down the path and and and, and thinking about this and doing more, but it's overwhelming. You know, what? Where should they start? What should they be thinking about? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and, and I'll try and keep it concise because I'm, I'm very passionate about this subject and could go on, go down a rabbit hole there. But what we typically recommend the most is, you know, start with start simple, um, pick two platforms, you know, Google again being king, claim that listing if you haven't already, we cannot stress that enough, um, claim out your Google listing and and set that alert onto your email, Google will send you messages anytime something happens there when they appear, you know, read those messages. It's valuable information. Um, but yeah, I would say stage one is claim and build out your Google listing and, and start monitoring what happens there. Um, the Another suggestion that we have obviously is, you know, look for support with that. Um, we work with clients to, to kind of help them manage, come up with strategies, um, coach them on, you know, where they should be focusing their attention as well as help them execute that. Um, don't be 
don't be afraid to, you know, reach out, get help with it because it is, it's an ever changing field, you know, online, the digital world changes very quickly. So you have to stay on top and stay in front of it. That's great. And just for a point of clarification, um, is your Google listing the same thing as your Google, my business entry? It is. Yes. That's a, okay, that's a great. Just want to make sure just language wise, cause I know I've heard, heard it called different things. And uh, I think that's great to know. So people don't think that maybe they've got to update two different things on Google. <laughs> um, it's really all, all in one place, which you know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think in almost all the clients we work with Google, my business entry and kind of all that's really tied to it. Right. Because I mean, it'll tie to your ads. It'll tie to your website. It, it, you know, it's where you, you get feedback. Um, it's how you're found in many cases. It's incredible sort of how it sits at the middle there for a lot of people. Absolutely. It's a, it's a powerhouse of a tool um, that is severely underutilized by a lot of businesses. Well, I, I can't thank you enough because I really appreciate it. And I know this is a concept you're passionate about. It. You could go on for hours um, mm-hmm. and it's probably hard to keep it to you know 15 minutes. But I'd like to thank you because you covered so much in such a short period of time. And we really appreciate you sharing this with us. Of course. Thank you, Ryan. It was, it was completely my pleasure to have the opportunity to talk with you. The amount of insight and feedback we receive can seem endless at times. This can lead to conflicting messages and sometimes even a paralyzing effect. Completely closing yourself off to it isn't a viable option either. It's important we each find and strike the right mix. Bringing balance to our environment doesn't need to be left just to the Jedi. Thank you for listening today. I look forward to joining you on the next episode. Until then, I'm Ryan Walter. And remember that solving your biggest business problem begins when you decide to accelerate your approach and achieve more. At Parallels Advisory, our focus is your business's future. Having the right insight, experience, and perspective makes all the difference when tackling far-reaching issues within your company. We are here to simplify the steps, unlock your potential, and move you forward making your vision a reality. We've helped startups achieve massive growth, mid-sized businesses navigate digital transformation, and enterprises embrace innovation. Wondering how to jumpstart your business and move it forward? Contact us to discuss your audacious goals during a complimentary consultation. Thank you for listening to this episode of Accelerate to Achieve. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. Got a question, feedback on the program, or interested in being a guest? Simply go to perils.co forward slash A2A podcast and send us a message. To learn more about our work or to book a consultation, visit us at perils.co forward slash contact. Until next time, remember that solving your biggest business problems begin when you decide to accelerate your approach and achieve more.